Hello, I'm Kelvin Garvan, and welcome back to Food Sector Systems. Today, in the context, I want to share with you some things that are concerning to me. Several years ago, I read the book The Deepest Well, subtitled Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood Adversity, written by Nadine Burke Harris, the doctor who is California's first Surgeon General. I turn to page 72 and share this. Our data suggested how powerful the underlying mechanism of toxic stress can be, that the metabolic disruption was also an important driver. If you grow up in a food desert, of course it's going to be difficult for you to be healthy. But if you also have higher cortisol levels that are driving you to crave high sugar, high fat foods, it's going to be that much harder for you to choose broccoli over french fries. I think about toxic stress and I think about cortisol and I consider the streets of many cities around America. And public safety comes to mind because people are concerned about whether or not they can get to and from the bus stop, whether there's someone sleeping at the bus stop or living at the bus stop, whether or not they can get to and from the train, whether or not there are people involved in various types of criminal or dangerous activity on their streets. There might even just be cars racing. It might be unsafe to cross the street from time to time. And of course, the air could be very dirty because of congestion on the road. Experiencing toxic stress can also occur in the home, where there might be siblings or family members that create upset. Toxic stress and the relief of toxic stress is very important in diet. And if there's a public safety issue, issue. If people are afraid, then they're going to emit more cortisol because they are going to have to decide whether they are going to fight, whether they are going to freeze, or whether they are going to flee. So now what happens when all the good people want to provide healthy food, nutritious food, and people don't want to eat it? And people might not know why they don't want to eat it. Now, there could be a number of reasons above and beyond the amount of cortisol that is going through their bodies. They could have never seen or eaten kohlrabi or bok choy or turnips or parsnips or jicama or kale or broccoli or cauliflower. They might not have a knife that can even cut it. They might not have a pan or a pot to cook it in. They might not have any awareness of what to do with that fresh produce. So then do we think about food equity? Is the food equity actually getting the food to these individuals and families? Or is the food equity making certain that they know what it is and they can actually incorporate it into their diet, their willingness to incorporate it in their diet. One day I was working as a volunteer at a local food distribution, and there were 
string beans, it clearly had brown spots and might not have been as vitamin rich or nutrient dense. I'm not sure how long they'd been in the supply chain, but clearly they were beginning to brown. And I asked a woman if she was going to take some. And she said, well, I don't know. I, I eat string beans. I said, well, these looks like they might have been in the supply chain for a while. They might have been moving around and might not be as delicious if they were fresher. And she said, well, I don't really know anything about those type string beans. The string beans I eat are in the can. Maybe my mother or grandmother know. And I thought to myself, the information between generations is not shared for whatever reason. The information of how to take fresh produce and cook it, let alone preserve it or can it, but just to cook it is being lost. So now the issue of food as medicine, food that is seasonal, is put on top of whether or not you are inclined to eat food that is seasonal and food that is medicinal based on the fact you have large amounts of cortisol in your system. This is the confluence of issues which concerns me because again, there are people who do not realize that the toxic stress in their lives is creating an internal environment where their bodies crave high sugar and high fat content food. And the other, of course, people are not aware of food. They don't have a connection between the seasons and what food is available during those seasons. And then finally, what to do with it once it comes out of that CSA box, once it is gleaned from a farmer's market and given to them at a food distribution. They don't know what to do with the food because one, they don't have a tradition and two, they don't have the wherewithal, they don't have the tools to actually cut, prepare, season, and cook that fresh produce. This is a challenge. This is a challenge which concerns me, but I just wanted to share it because the concern is not insurmountable. Eating to live is a start. Sharing with people information that will make them aware of what is required to live and when it is available. And not to share it because you want to undermine their knowledge and undermine their culture. But again, you care and you want them to live. You want them to thrive. You want them to reach the highest level of their capabilities. You want them to achieve the highest level of cognitive capability, of physical capability. If that young man or a woman wants to go into the military, you want to help ensure that they can pass the physical. If they want to be a cybersecurity specialist or a computer software specialist, 
you want to help them have the cognitive capabilities to achieve that. Thank you. I look forward to speaking with you soon. I am Kelvin Garvan. This is Food Sector Systems.